Chapter 6, Psychology and the State of the World for Women. Uncovering the extensive network of trafficking, underage, women, children, that was and is Jeffrey Epstein's world requires knowledge of just how these actions affect the survivors who live the rest of their lives in fear. My reality is that imagining the type of fear, shame, and residual trauma those women must feel causes me to revisit my own distant, lingeringly painful memories tucked away under lock and key. And even though I had long forgotten some of these issues, keeping them placated in the background by an overwhelming amount of busyness, I still filled that busy time by studying the body, perhaps making that choice subconsciously, and subsequently coming to understand how these things that encompass my timeline have literally changed my own physiological and hormonal chemistry for better or worse. Each new paper on PTSD treatment, the physiological effects of chronic stress, seminars on interdepartmental learning offered clarity. That clarity, though, doesn't and won't stop me from changing from running on my favorite rural countryside trails to a well-populated publicly surveilled paths for safety and comfort, even if I hate the pavement, need to carry my phone, and longer drive. Nor does it keep me out of the gym in the off chance that somewhere down the line, I'll need to fend off an attacker and want to be physically capable of holding my own if so. So whenever news of something as insane, outrageous, and despicable as human trafficking comes up, the conversation inevitably turns to mental health. Forging a new normal and actually vindicating it means acknowledging those people don't like didn't have a choice at some point and they can be a victim and simultaneously want acknowledgement, crave communities of mutual understanding and facilitate growth without that defining who they are or making them helpless. Justice after these events, if anyone is actually held accountable, also has many interpretations, but ultimately involves subjectively deciding on an unequal but relatively fair sentencing and repentance, 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 (laughs) guys, I'm really bad at pronouncing words, for some previous ideology, action, or thought. Part of establishing a just punishment involves understanding the mentality, the thought process behind the actions. The reasons people traffic women and young girls, though, is the same mentality that applies to the rich's necessity to acquire any other tangible good. In the game of life, women, along with everything else in the USA, have a price and can thus be owned. Only in the USA, we've also outlawed prostitution. We've injected Christian virtues into every vein of our body in such withdrawal-laden intensity that we overdosed our government and local culture so nudity, the female body, and sexuality are still taboo in that. We can at least vote, you know, between two shitty white men who both want to or have historically participated in making legislative dictations to our bodies 
using their views on what rights we should be allowed to have as political strategies. But women on entertainment podcasts are criticized for talking about sex. The is there no privacy argument gets thrown around even though these women are literally talking to their friends within the comfort of their own homes and then putting it online. But men who talk about it freely and have been doing so for ages, literally since men first got together and decided they would unionize, there's a reason Game of Thrones depicted the wildlings and interpretation of like feral humans as metal as nature in a nomadic world as savage creatures. Humanities stripped comparatively, even to mythological Renaissance-style times. And it wasn't even the women were savage without reason. Men who clearly fuck anything with legs and a vagina. And I honestly think, especially judging by a quick scan, read several hours of research into, options of sex toys available to them. The legs are questionably required. Those men get revered as gods. Their sexual charisma, chiseled body, unattainable attitude is a perk to literally every single career they could hold. The Kardashians get murdered on social media, even when they talk about fertility concerns, learning how to navigate raising biracial children as a parent, the criminal justice system. But y'all still support the NFL, who takes a blatantly dismissive outlook on the players who beat their women multiple times. Y'all worship the turf that man walks on because his ability to catch a ball and a completely made-up sport that no other country plays and therefore isn't even justifiable for anything outside of purely entertainment value is more important than the fact that he ran a dogfighting ring or nearly beat a woman to death. Y'all glorify cage fighting and potentially beating another man to death on internationally broadcast television as a manly sport and justify the money as being worth the risk of permanent brain damage, if not death, or chronically aggressive interactions with families that include children. Y'all continue funding a rapper, sending him to the top of musical hits charts, who has openly admitted to raping a 13-year-old girl, just like the accused this entire blog has thus far touched on. But Cardi B and Megan the Stallion talking about their pussies being wet during sex, which they should be, gets y'all all hyped and bothered. Sierra taught me a long time ago not to worry about that, though, so I'm not going to sweat it. Destigmatizing females using social media as a platform to talk freely about their experiences as a female, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is literally what the goal of social media should be. It's supposed to be about creating a community for people to be some version of themselves. So why do we shun it when that version is an authentically free woman? Creating these conversations has secondary implications, though. The real trickle-down economics is that destigmatizing female sexuality also means addressing violence towards women. Law enforcement may actually begin to thoroughly investigate when a legally represented sex worker goes missing. 
destigmatizing feminine conversation in general usually co-aligns with increased access to mental health resources. Women like talking about our problems, usually. It's even more fun when they're paid to listen patiently. Just kidding about the listening patiently part. Therapy is a lot more than that, and my therapist has worked me into some corners. Claire, if for some reason, (laughs) if for some reason you ever come across this or are shown this, I am so sorry I haven't updated you in a while. Please do not write a case study about me. I'm clearly writing it about myself, and you're a gift to this earth. Thank you so much. But destigmatizing female conversation might also improve lives for men. You can actually understand us better. Talk about your own feelings. Learn about what unique and terrifyingly beautiful creatures we are at every level of our beings. And because it usually tends to be the most important thing to you, that does at least 30% of male thinking, according to this guy I met in graduate school, your sex lives would probably vastly improve because you wouldn't be scared to ask or try new things in the bedroom. You wouldn't be worried things could feel a little gay when literally it is just you and your girlfriend in the room. You would learn that if you invested even half of the emotional capacity into learning our own bodies as an adult with a new perspective and learned experience as you did to yourself when you were a kid and your dick got hard for the first time, you might actually get us, read females, to willingly revere your mediocre cock with as much enthusiasm as we do the orgasmic sculptures of silicone tucked away inside the nightstand. Of the five safest countries in the world for women, almost all have legal prostitution, for the record. Keeping prostitution illegal in the USA as a direct result of the stigma surrounding female sexuality also keeps barriers like professionalism on social media and every other aspect of your life controllable by your job. Holding your healthcare, financial security, home at the mercy of your supervisor. How many men do you think have formal complaints logged into their HR files over being shirtless on social media or in bathing wear? I'm looking at you, Boston. Hashtag med bikini. It's the same concept behind criminalizing marijuana, but making it legal illegal only made it illegal for poor people. It keeps the majority of money and power lined in the pockets of the rich white men who control the brothels in Las Vegas. It makes women who only care about money, which is again completely fine in a capitalist economy, resort to valuing themselves at only $7 a month for an OnlyFans or $1,000 a scene to be immortalized on Pornhub if you get paid at all and don't just have your revenge porn thrown up there and refuse to be pulled down, when they should be getting paid to allow others into their mystical sexual presence. But because it's illegal and there's no discord, no discussion around what our bodies are actually worth, all stigmatizing sexuality does in a historically heteronormative society for women is keep them subservient to men because they can't use all of their skills and talents to their advantage. Or 
Every communication is word of mouth instead of women creating businesses, hiring legal security, ensuring partners are testing for sexually transmitted diseases, and using safe methods. Side note, in case you were curious, if I didn't have so many hangups because of my daddy issues, you better bet your ass I would 100% let my thousands of dollars of student loans from grad and my next program be paid for by some lonely 40 plus year old dude if I could legally do it and wasn't constantly worried about getting murdered by the shady nature of it. Or even if some nerdy rich guy somehow found me and was like, Hey, can you be my girlfriend for $150,000 a year? I'm lonely and want to travel the world. You can bet my passport would be the first motherfucking thing stamped. I will gladly be your muse if you can fund me a few years of freedom to think and learn more about the world from a perspective I can't currently attain purely from a financial standpoint. The happiness that comes from a business-like decision out of logic to meet financial and physical needs with someone willingly to openly communicate and add a significant level of ease to your life is absolutely something I should not feel guilty for. How is it that any worse than the absolutely shitty men read normal average white guys well advanced in their careers and seen us by society as successful getting to use my body sexually, including the ones who were honestly complete shit in bed. I like to rescue animals of all kind, apparently, who I took under my wing like young Anakin Skywalker, only to cheat and blatantly, unacceptably disrespect me years later after significant emotional investment on my end. My career would never just up and leave me and I would 100% fund it and my economic stability in this manner if it wasn't one more stupid fucking obstacle to being respected that women have to deal with. Back to the point. Female trafficking is a necessity to these people, a craving for power and validation over others, commonly to inflate the egos of the rich. Much like the foreshadowed warnings of the most dangerous game, the nature of humanity is to acquire power over another. Once you get bored with owning things, though, you want to up the stakes. The ability to actually view humans as a commodity, their feelings disregarded because you think you pay them well enough so that they shouldn't have any. And since our economy and culture centers around money, it may be enough to keep them significantly quiet. The ability to separate reality and even legality from like practicality so you don't feel guilty over the choices you make, those sociopathic-like tendencies are typically reserved for both the world's most powerful leaders and lethal criminals. They can flip the switch on empathy, and if it's not permanently stuck in the off position. Does that sound familiar? I don't know anybody like that. Hint, it's me. I'm like that. And who better to quantify that than someone who has had no choice but to be increasingly aware that level of horror in the world exists? Yet, 
even if you've spent your entire career under a public vow to dismantle it, or at the very least, actually illuminating what a problem it is, and how strongly it ties into the position of women within our society, how can you possibly still be good when you also lack the emotional capacity to care about public sentiment when sharing it as a stream of consciousness? And there's definitely no way you can be morally good by feeling a need to speak out, to publicly acknowledge how you interact with the world after being shaped by your own somewhat similar experiences, to even potentially profit off of it down the line? Selfish. Pete Davidson walked in his post-Ariana Grande breakup interviews so I could run on this blog. It's these type of questions in my analysis that make the complexities of the human mind, the memories these stories jog for me, and the importance of widely available, high-quality mental health resources that much more intriguing. For instance, I've heavily questioned my sexuality as a scientist because with my educational pursuit of my undergraduate and graduate degrees and the subsequent increase in knowledge on what science actually is— one comes to find that science is just inherently questioning the nature of reality. In medicine, you learn the biological response as to why something feels good. The chemical release, the uptake by receptors, the action potentials propagating through your skin. And yet, you exist, grew up, and flourished in a world that has socially convinced you that acting on these propagations will ostracize you. Even if they're literally not hurting anyone, it's your own body, etc. You grew up ingrained with ideology that marriage is only legally acceptable between a man and a woman. You should have a single partner at a time. Marriage is controlling, manipulative, and should be for life, even when you absolutely hate each other. And you were somehow not supposed to rebel against that? even though the whole world was at your fingertips in every other aspect? Not to mention the interpretation of a book intended to instill and redress moral values, the stories of love, learning how to express yourself coming of age, also condemning you to hell for biological temptations that you couldn't stop and that ultimately are normal. But this was America. Women, especially white, hot, blonde women, were able to really be somebody. It's selfish for me to even be angry about or question any aspect of my previous lives because the opportunities they've given me proves the world is at my fingertips. Barbie had every different role possible. My cursed American girl doll mimicked my Amish neighbor's lifestyle. My cousins won model searches down at the local mall. My life was the setup in every movie that graced mainstream Hollywood growing up. I even looked like Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen in my 90s photos. That's the harsh part, though. All of my heroes were just fake characters. They weren't based on any women in actuality. Other than sports athletes, I had no knowledge of role models that were representative of who I was at the time. Until Hidden Figures came out in 2016... I didn't think anyone even cared about the hardships of women in STEM. Prior to that, I was only learning about men whose life work I was studying that could now be boiled down to a semester-long three-hour course twice a week 
if not just, you know, a single bullet point in a note for that course. And it's a tough thing to realize that the world you live in wasn't created for you. It was created for maybe who you are physically, but mentally you push the boundaries just a little too much because the thoughts inside your head question the purpose behind these technological advances and societal values. And they don't seem to actually improve our lives enough to allow us to slow down and enjoy the natural pace of humanity. Those kind of thoughts don't just create a minor ripple, even if that's how you start out. You explode from seemingly nothingless, like the Beirut explosion. Um, Side note, donate to the Lebanon Red Cross. Um, And also, since I wrote that, we have the wildfires in the western U.S., so donate to the American Red Cross as well, and you can donate to those wildfires. So... Mindy Kaling once had her character on the Mindy Project state. Tattling is when a young girl does it. When a hot woman does it, it's called whistleblowing. Yet, I don't consider this whistleblowing in any way. Having the audacity to question my background is seen as the same disgraceful or tainted image of my family as if I came in blazing hot, making concrete, direct connections between the two theories. I would just like to blissfully point right back that if my family didn't want me to write about them or go through this mentally, then maybe they could have just given me a little more love and support over the past decade or even like during the timeline for any of these events to take place so that those memories wouldn't be cloaked in mystery. But apparently unconditional love is not guaranteed just by biological relation. Funny how that works out, isn't it? Thankfully, that makes it just as freely available from a chosen family forged from those you meet in life. For every shitty person in the world, there are also just as many good ones willing to give love freely and without expectation because they never were on the receiving end of such arrangement. They might be a little harder to find, but they're definitely out there. So at some point in your research, as mentioned at the beginning of this post, You studied the trends of scientific discovery and the lives of those you were following behind how those who came later were often depressed, unhappy with the state of their lives. The ensuing struggle with the enticing curiosity of knowledge that could topple societies, the obsession with each other's work, the indulgence and exchange of passionate thoughts, Art and science interwoven so deeply that for you to truly achieve self-actualization, you know you'll have to acknowledge the passion behind it. And in recognizing that conundrum, you noted the actual experiments weren't as intriguing to you as the topic of focus, as the method of communication in which one pursuit built on another. The method in which one scientific achievement spread, the blossom of communities, the growth of ideas, the ability to grow from words, those abstract concepts. Would these scientists have been so depressed if they didn't have to wallow in their misery alone? Would they look at society, all of the progress stemming from their inventions, and be proud of how that contribution was mutilated or built upon? What about the scientists who created the atomic and hydrogen bombs? How do they feel about the state of the world these days? How much did they know or actually understand about the consequences of their actions? 
And what's the purpose of avidly working towards a theoretical future when you have the ability to make a tangible influence on another life's locally today? How do you choose what to prioritize? And how do you know that what you're doing is right? You finally have the time to slow down and watch as the pieces of the puzzle revealed that the pursuit of higher degrees in medicine, law, or biological science wasn't necessarily my end goal, although they are an end, a means to an end. For the record, they're also logical, as I have no current plans or even prospects of marrying, no need for biological children of my own, and they would conveniently increase my lifelong earning potential as well as how rewarding it is to annihilate mansplainers. But nobody wanted to hear about that because their dreams of grandchildren were slowly disintegrating, much like when Bing Bong faded into oblivion in Pixar's take on explaining the importance of acknowledging your emotions, formerly known as Inside Out. Your end goal was the pursuit of having your voice acknowledged, heard, and appreciated just a little bit more. And to do that, you just had to start to talk.